Over the past few months, I've been listening to some of my favorite podcasts, and on them, I noted a guest named Stacey Morgan. She talked about fear and hope in such a profound way that it really spoke to my heart specifically in the season that I'm in right now. So we extended an invitation and invited her on the show, but what I came to find is that beyond her messaging on fear and hope, she has profound insight and experience with friendships in adulthood. Through reading her book, I was intrigued by the way they sent her husband into space. That's right, she is an astronaut's wife, and the way that she lives while she was back on Earth so intentionally. So today we are going to be walking through all of these things, and my hope is that as you get this little snippet of her message and her book, that you go and turn around and get a copy of your own wherever books are sold. Stacey Morgan is always ready with a crazy story from her own life, whether it be military deployments, carpooling, working for the Smithsonian, skydiving, teaching her teens to drive, taking roller skating lessons, or blasting her husband into space. Stacey currently works for Mops International as an executive leadership coach. She and her husband have four children and currently reside in Friendswood, Texas. When she's not speaking at a women's event or scribbling down ideas for her next book, she's watching historical dramas on PBS, reading a good mystery novel, laughing at internet memes, or planning her next exciting adventure. Guys, it is a joy to introduce you to my new friend, Stacy for this powerful, powerful, challenging, inspiring conversation. <laughs> Welcome to Making Room, a podcast by Gather Intentional Living and Everyday Hospitality. Listen, we understand that the way that our culture often portrays hospitality is unattainable, and sometimes even just the thought of opening your door is crippling. Join us in the pursuit to bringing beauty, meaning, and celebration back to the everyday gathering. Go ahead, take your seat. We saved one just for you. If you're anything like me, you've always wondered just a little bit about meal subscription boxes. But what if I told you that I have the answer to no advanced meal planning, no grocery shopping, no big messes, and straight to your door restaurant quality meals? Well, with Gobble, you can have all of that. 15 minute restaurant quality meals, you heard that right. With everything pre-chopped, pre-portioned, no need to measure or peel or any of the stuff that drives you nuts on a weeknight, you can have access to a diverse menu of flavors with special options for dietary restrictions, even options for large families and kid-friendly options. With Gobble, you can have all of this delivered right to your door to make your weeknight delicious and so much more simple. Click the link in the podcast notes to get your first six meals for only $36. I promise it's as good as it sounds. So, hey, Stacy, this is so exciting. We are kind of like fresh in the few weeks after your launch, right? How yes. is it feeling? It's been great. You know, I'm in that fun stage where people are reading it and then they're sending me fun messages about, you know, how much they're enjoying it or things that are resonating with them. And it's fun hearing from people who were with me in some of those stories. And maybe I don't mention them in the story, but they were there and experiencing it. And they're kind of reminding me of some details that maybe I've forgotten. <laughs> so yeah. it's really fun uh, to hear from them because it's like, oh, I remember that. I was there. That was really cool. That's crazy. And you're talking, Drew's home right now, right? So he's yes, not deployed, right. not in space. He is with you in the flesh. 
<laughs> yes. I mean, it's kind of funny because he like came home uh, in the middle of the pandemic and then like never left. <laughs> so it's like, when is the office opening back up again? Uh, you know, you've been here a lot. So thank goodness, you know, things have slowly been opening up, you know, here just like everywhere. Uh, Cause there was a period there for about a year after he came home and uh, he was just kind of here, you know, doing things remotely. And we have never, like most couples never spent that much time together, yeah. you know, 24 seven all the time. And when he came home from space, we had not lived together for 10, about 10 full months. And so to go from like living fully kind of separate lives independently to coming home and all four kids are here with us. Oh and you God. can't just be like, oh, I'm going out because there was nowhere to go. Everything right. was closed. There was a little bit of an abrupt transition. And I would not necessarily recommend it for everyone. Uh, Cause it was like, okay, wow, you're back in my life and in my space and in my face. And we yeah. are, we are getting to know each other again, like oh all the time. I was doing great. You know, they usually um, get um, about six months of kind of um, things being a little slower so they can kind of recover and reconnect with people. It was a little bit strange for him because there normally is travel and different kinds of meetings. And of course, all those things were postponed or canceled because of the pandemic. So it was a little bit strange. He, he had a little bit more free time than maybe most okay. would, but it, actually it was really good because we, it gave us the time as a family and as a couple to kind of like reintroduce ourselves. 10 months is a long time. You, you are even the, the space part, like aside, you know, year to year, you're kind of like a different person and you've got, you know, relationships have changed and interests have changed and you're watching different shows on television and reading different books than you were. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of nice. And then they just kind of go back and they are part of the office and working on projects and part of different teams. And okay. um, yeah. And then kind of like life goes on. So yeah. it's while there is, while it is certainly a cool job with a lot of unique aspects, a lot of it is like any other kind of, you know, eight to five, nine to six, whatever job. Good. Yeah. Colby, my husband and I, we worked together abroad. So we were living abroad, worked together day in and day out for like four years. And then in this season, he's working somewhere else. And so it's like, oh my gosh, I'm used to having you around. Now you don't know what I'm doing all day. <laughs> right. <laughs> So <laughs> kind of learning that, but okay. I'm glad you guys are well and kind of past that initial season of re-entry. Right. Um, so you and I have talked just briefly through brief email exchanges, just how, um, oh my gosh, I just feel like every word of your books that I've read so far has hit so close to home. Like I didn't even, I read it cause I was excited for this conversation. Right. But it was so deeply just like transformational for me. So, hmm. um, I kind of want to start at the beginning. Um, and I'm going to quote you a lot just because every okay. word you say is so rich. <laughs> I don't want to paraphrase anything, but, um, you said, whether we like it or not, we will live our lives dictated by one or the other. If we don't make an active decision to choose hope, our default will always be fear. Talk to me about how this played out for you and I guess what it took for you to come to terms with this. Sure. I mean, uh, in chapter one, I talk about this rocket launch moment where in the case for our family, we're literally standing in the middle of this field on the other side of the world in Kazakhstan. And it's it, you know, it almost felt like a, a movie moment, right? The sun has gone down. I've got my four kids with me. There are, I can hear reporters talking. There's all these like super stoked, crazy space enthusiasts out the other end of the field who are just there like for the hype and just to enjoy it. But meanwhile, we're over here on the other side of the field and uh, we're waiting for this 
this countdown to begin. And it's scary because, of course, this rocket is full of explosive rocket fuel and things can go sideways, right? We've all seen, whether you've seen it from historical film or I have some personal experiences with friends in here now where things have gone wrong. Um, And uh, so you know that even though you trust the equipment and you trust the training and all those kind of things, things can go wrong. So as you're standing there, uh, it is this very scary moment where you just don't really know what's what's going to happen. And uh, it's overwhelming. It was overwhelming to me. Uh, I think it's overwhelming to, to most people who are in that situation. And I think, you know, if I hadn't been, had to be the brave mom for my kids, it would have been very tempting to just kind of want to sit on the ground and just be just like completely like an anxious ball of nerves and just have it just be completely overwhelmed. Um, I felt like in that moment, I've, I have had other moments in my life where I feel like I've had to make a decision about hope or fear, but this was certainly the most dramatic in that, like there is in 10 seconds, something is going to happen that um, is definitely going to expose what my life is built on. Because you realize in that moment, if this rocket explodes, I will become a widow in 10 seconds, or it's going to be great. And it's going to be amazing, but definitely like my, either way, my life is going to change in 10 seconds. And if this goes sideways and this rocket explodes, um, if my life is built on this idea, like if my identity is being this guy's spouse, right. Or, or whatever, like that could go away, like in 10 seconds, that might be gone. And that makes you kind of think about like, what is, where do I find my identity? Where do I find my worth and my security and my safety? And um, that's kind of a, a, a deep question to be asking yourself yeah. kind of in this moment. But I think it's an important question that you have to face. And I feel like I had several kind of baby steps towards this kind of big kind of dramatic moment over the years. Drew has deployed multiple times as an army officer. Um, so we've certainly had moments where we've had some kind of scary where you kind of have to face your mortality and uh, have some hard conversations about what if bad things happen, what next. Um, But you realize that um, if you do not think about what is your life built on and you just kind of choose to kind of go through life reactionary to what's happening around you, that's a very scary way to live. And you let your life will be dictated by fear because the world is a scary place Mm -hmm. and you're constantly living with this fear that whatever it is that your life has been built on could be taken away from you at any moment. And I think we, when I wrote the book, I didn't know we would still be in a pandemic when it came out, (laughs) but I think that message has been resonating with a lot of people through the pandemic because we all built our lives on something. You have hope in something. Right. And Mm so for some people, it was like hope in uh, whoever was in political power or the ability to go to the gym whenever I wanted to, or the ability to travel or science or what, like any hunt, you know, whatever your personal thing is. And a lot of those things for a lot of people during the pandemic was taken away. Mm -hmm. And it is a scary thing when your foundation gets taken away and all of a sudden you feel kind of just unmoored from all the things you thought would be true, all the expectations you had for your life, for your relationships, for all these things. And that is a scary, um, that's a scary way to live because you just don't know what's coming next. And all those unknowns feel very, very scary. So I feel like a lot of people are probably resonating with this. Talk to me about like 
I want to talk about practically what that looks like, that choice and that processing, because fear, I mean, hope is easy to rest in, right? Hope is a beautiful season to be in, but fear could be really crippling. So, okay. So when, um, what did you do to tackle the fear that worked? Let's start there. Sure. Well, right off the bat, I think I should say it's kind of like a muscle in that it's Mm -hmm. not kind of like, oh, I choose not to be scared anymore. Like check that box done. It is definitely something you have to practice. And the first few times that you start facing these fears, it feels very uncomfortable. It feels very scary even to be like kind of thinking through all these things. But the more you do it, the more you realize, oh, actually, it's not as scary as I've made it out to be. So the first time I ever saw someone do this was the first time my husband deployed. And I I talk about it in the book because it really was um, a a crazy kind of like life light bulb moment seeing my friend do this. And so I was having coffee with a friend. Our husbands were both deployed. Certainly the scariest thing in our life at that time was the war, you know, the war on terror was going on. Both of our husbands mm-hmm. deployed, people were getting killed and injured constantly. We'd been to memorial services. So the, the chance that one of one or both of our husbands may not come home was definitely a, a very real possibility. And there was kind of this unspoken rule in our community of like, well, we're not going to talk about it. Like somehow talking about it might make it more likely wow. to happen, which, you know, of course is ridiculous, but yeah, whatever, when you're in this space that feels like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That's fine. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, a lot of us would, we wouldn't watch the news, you tried, you know, when the news part came on the radio, you changed the station because it was just constant, scary messages. So we kind of like picked ignorant bliss over um, facing these very real fears. And so that was the context that I'm having coffee with my friend. And she turns to me one day, like mid coffee sip. And she's like, I've been thinking about what life would be like if our husbands were killed. And I was like, practically spit my coffee across the porch. Cause I was like, what? Like, kind of like, we're not supposed to do that. Like that's yeah, not, that's you taboo. know, yeah. Uh-huh. And she was, and I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, yeah, I've been thinking about it. And I've kind of followed that thought path all the way down. And I've decided, you know, kind of following it that life would certainly be hard. Like no, no pretending like somehow that wouldn't be like difficult. And she said, and we would probably need counseling and our children would probably need counseling. And like life would be very challenging and very hard, but I've kind of come to the decision that life would eventually be okay. And that people would come alongside us who would support us and the sun would still rise and still set. And as simple of a statement as it sounds, that was a really profound thing for her to say. It was Mm -hmm. like, Oh my gosh, because the, the, the scary thing, the reasons like that fear is so palpable at times is because your brain just goes all the way, like to these really crazy places, just spirals it. Um, and we, it seems too scary to kind of like follow along with it. So we let our fear make some huge logic jumps in Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, Oh, my kid gets a, you know, one wrong on a first grade math test. And all of a sudden he's like living in my basement forever as an adult, right? Like that's a huge logic step, like logically, but we do that. Our fear makes us do that. Uh, We become illogical and fear also tells us that, um, you know, it's best not to think about these things because um, the reality is if, if your worst nightmare comes true, life is over. Like, and you will always feel like this. It'll always be scary. Um, Life will not be worth living anymore. 
all good things are over. I mean, and it's, it's the definition of despair life. will you, your fear becomes despair if it goes unchecked. And so she, in that moment, I realized like she was so brave to like, look that fear straight in the eye. And then she followed the path of like, okay, if this happened, then what? Okay. Well then what? And then, then what? And then she kind of kept going and the, the end of that path was not the place that your fear actually would take you that like, and I had, I had to sit there and as stunned as I was, I had to agree with her. Like, you're right. Life would be very hard, but it would still keep going. It would still be full of good things. Um, you know, life would move on. And, um, and that was really like the first time I saw the power of looking your fears in the eye and choosing something else. Like wow. acknowledging, yes, yeah, the world is scary and full of scary things. However, we don't have to live in fear. Um, we can choose something else to be focused on and and to find our hope in something other than that. And maybe if the fear of that of losing that thing is so crippling, maybe that's like an indicator we're we're putting too much stock mm-hmm. in that thing. That that thing has like been put on a pedestal, and we need to like maybe yeah. make some healthy adjustments to like what Oof. we are basing our life on. You know, because it's so true. It could go away. Like anything could go away. Uh, that I feel like that was like the first step. And then I had a lot more practice kind of facing those fears with multiple deployments, with all, you know, things with kids and life, just life in general gives you plenty of opportunities to face your fears once you, yeah. once you kind of like open yourself up to doing that. And so it felt like, okay, but this rocket launch was like the masterclass in, okay, this is a terrifying moment. Um, and I can choose to be incredibly fearful of whatever Mm -hmm. comes next, regardless of which way this launch goes good or bad. It's the unknowns of what happens after that that are terrifying. Or I can choose to be like, no matter what comes down the pipeline, good or bad, I have this hope. And, um, and so no matter what happens, I know that I can keep confidently moving forward in life because my life is not defined by what happens in this moment. And I have a choice and how yeah. I respond to it. It sounds like through your processing of that fear, kind of like looking at it in the face, having someone with you to process it was key. Is that, oh, right? Is absolutely, that right? Absolutely. I mean, this is why okay. it's so key to have like good friends, quality friends who you share values with, yeah. who, um, Put your you thoughts can be, in check yeah, you can be really authentic with and really yeah. vulnerable with to be like, I am scared. Like it's, it's funny how hard it is sometimes to admit even like yeah. out loud to ourselves, like, wow, this thing scares me. And I'm a, like, this is a terrifying thought that runs on a loop in my head. And can you help yeah. me kind of process this a little bit and maybe speak mm-hmm. some truth that, uh, I'm making some big logic jumps here or, or yeah, that is a reality. Like that is a real, um, scary thing in life. However, mm-hmm. life would still happen. I would be here with you. I would help you. This community would surround you. Like yeah. When you don't have other people speaking into your, into you, your own voice becomes extremely loud and it, your body and the world is telling you that what's happening in your head is the truth. Yeah. And I'd say more, more often than not, the voice in your head is not accurate. It's right. not giving you an accurate picture of, of the world. And so that's why right. you need to have people next to you who are like, Hey, reality check. Uh, <laughs> that's not true. Right. Like <laughs> everyone there, like not everybody hates you. The world is not going to stop spinning. If that happens, like, yeah. you know um, yeah, you need those people. Otherwise you will, you'll just spiral into despair and isolation. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, nobody wants that. 
It's such a good reminder that it's like, even it's okay to vocalize those things. It's okay to tell your people that I'm scared. One thing that I've been doing with Colby lately is if I'm spiraling, I'll say, okay, tell me something true about this situation. And I just need like, like you were saying, I just need like reality checks. I just need truth. And so that's so good. That's so good. Um, and actively choosing hope that was kind of in there kind of like, I mean, would you say that's how you actively chose hope by kind of processing the fear to the end? That's right. Processing it to the end. Like asking yourself, what am I actually afraid of here? You know? And like, and it's okay to fault, like follow that path and realize that when you do that and you verbalize it out loud, especially it's really good if you have that friend with you to kind of like say yeah. it out loud. Uh, cause that person's like, are you hearing these crazy words that are coming out of your mouth right now? <laughs> um, to be like, okay. Um, like I did that recently with a friend where I was spiraling a little bit about, um, just some things going on. And she said to me, she, she let me kind of get all the words out. And then she said, okay, I want to, um, speak some truth back into your, into your right now Mm -hmm. and help you just kind of get your feet back on the ground. And she reiterated like, okay, I have journeyed with you in this. Let me just tell you again, what I've seen, what I know that's true about you, what I know that is true about this situation, what I know is true about this other person, right? Like, um, and let me just like help you find your firm footing again, because it just feels like you are just getting like just tossed back and forth right now. And that's exactly what I needed. And it was, it was the hope that comes with like the truth, knowing that someone is going to tell you the truth. And, um, yeah. And it, yeah. That's so good. And it, that's a good reminder for the person who needs it for the friend on the other side. Right. Because yeah. I think, I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Sometimes we could be shy or slow to like kind of put ourselves out there in friendship with that kind yeah. of boldness or truth. There's so much I found to be like interesting and thrilling, of course, about launching Drew to space. Um, however, really, I mean, truthfully, what really captivated me was your approach to friendship and relationship and you're starting to touch on it, but I really want to go a little bit deeper. So, um, to quote you again, you said that, um, celebrations and suffering are meant to be shared. We are hardwired to find safety and purpose in the companionship of others. Um, I can't help but start with what you call baloney's on sale, friends. Yes. (laughs) And so as much as I want to talk about it, I want to hear it from you. So what do you mean by this and why are they important? Okay. So I think female friendship is one of the most, I feel like we talk about it a lot. I hear people talking about it a lot but we talk about it at a very surface level. And the reality is I have found for myself that it is, um, the vast majority of women would say they do not have a close friend who they can be authentic with. I've seen the studies that show that. Um, and I've seen that play out in my own life. These seasons where I have plenty of acquaintances, you know, people that I could like tag in a Facebook post or like, you know, see at a a kid's event or a work event or something like that. But like when, when the really hard things hit and you are suffering then you're like, I, I can't share this. It's too sensitive. I don't, I don't know, you know, who to call, or you have a friend that was your bestie in high school or college, but she doesn't live near you anymore. You know, you live somewhere else. And so, yes, she is a good friend, but like, 
she's not living life with you. She's not doing life in the same place. And so when your big thing is the, a stress about this coworker or this thing that's happening here, you know, she doesn't have the context of that. And so it's, you're like, well, I could call her, but she'd be Hard, like, yeah. who is Susan? You know, like, I don't know <laughs> Susan. And you're like, oh, I need to, you know, I need to tell you all about Susan. So this idea of a baloney is on sale friend is so key. Cause this is the kind of friend that I believe when, when women talk about how lonely they are, this yeah. is what we're talking about. The lack of this kind of friend. And so this friend, first of all, they have to live in your same like community, like mm-hmm. as close as possible, same street if possible. Right. But like <laughs> they need to be like driving the same streets, feeling the same weather, knowing a lot of the same people and the same stores, like kind of just literally doing life with you here. Mm-hmm. And you definitely need to share a lot of the same, definitely the same big values so that you're talking about things mm-hmm. in the same context of like, you know, your soul and you know, faith and just like all that kind of stuff. Um, and then they're the kind of friend that you, um, because you were doing life so closely because you share these values and you both value each other as friends, you feel, um, comfortable enough really showing your true self. And so my friend, we, we came up with this term a, a number of years ago, baloney's on sale friend, because we would joke about how I would, we would both feed our kids a lot of baloney, right? And there's this like stigma about baloney among moms, right? Like nobody wants to admit that they feed their kids baloney, but you go to the store and there's like a huge selection of baloney and like Lunchables and all that kind of stuff. But everybody's like, pretends like they never give themselves, give their kids this stuff. But you're like, I don't think they would sell this many if people weren't (laughs) buying it, right? So somebody's lying here. So this is the friend who you not only admit uh, I feed my kids baloney, but they know how much baloney you sell. I mean, you you uh, yeah. feed to your kids. And so when they go to the store and they see that baloney is on sale, they call you and they're like, get in your car, get to the grocery store and stock up <laughs> because like it is on sale. And so it's this vulnerability mm-hmm. um, and just acceptance, like full yeah. acceptance of who you are, um, you know, your best days and your worst days. You know, this, this friend Lisa, I have who, who was that baloney is on sale friend that season. Like I'll never forget on my, my worst parenting day to date at that point in my life. Like, yeah, I, 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 it was the worst. She was the person I called and I was like, this happened. I am so full of shame right now for how, for what has just happened. And um, and this isn't who I want to be. And like, I don't even know how to, like, I was almost, I called her before I talked to my husband because I was yeah. like, I am, I, I don't even know how to process this. And she, as a baloney is on sale friend, she was the kind of friend who was like, this does not define you. You had a bad day, you know, not your best moment. <laughs> I'm not, not going to try to justify, you know, what yeah. happened, but this does not define you. You are still a good mm-hmm. mom. You are still a, a good person. Here's again, let me, let me remind you of some truths of what I know about you and life. And, and I love you anyway. And let me walk with you through this. And like, that's what a baloney is on sale friend is like, I can, I can show you my whole heart, my whole soul, the, the, the good and the dark. And they're like, I, I accept you. I love you the way you are. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to make you feel like some of these things are okay that aren't like, I'm going to help you grow into a better person, you know, but, Mm. but I'm not going to judge you and I'm not going to shame you. And I'm going to, I'm going to keep you focused on what I know is true. And 
that's what we all, I mean, that's what we, when we say yeah. we are lonely, that's, that's the friend that we are longing for like deep inside us. And I think yeah. it's something that women really have a hard time admitting even to ourselves that we have this deep, mm-hmm. deep longing for it. And, and a lot of times as adult women, we don't know, we want it, but we don't know where to get it because yeah. a lot of us really don't know how to make that level of friendship as an adult, because like, if you must, unless you had a really good example in your life, right. which, you know, or I don't know, somehow someone walked you through it. Like, how do you learn? How do you learn to make friends as an adult? We all act right. like we're in kindergarten, but we're not in kindergarten anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So we say like, we kind of use this phrase called you, you go first hospitality. So if you want hospitality, if you want table, if you want meaningful connections, oftentimes that means that you have to go first. Yes. And I think the same is true with vulnerability and authenticity, all those things that we crave, right? A lot, like you were saying, a lot of people don't know how to do it. It hasn't been modeled. It's not modeled in like greater culture, I guess. So would you say that's been true for you? Like, did you have to go first in order to find it? Oh yes. And I mean, I dedicated a whole chapter talking about this because it was really hard. And for six months, I was like stuck in what I now like really deem like, oh, I was living in this fantasy land, which I think honestly is where most women live in this fantasy land. where like, one day I'm going to be sitting in my living room and with zero effort on my part, one day the phone is going to ring and there's going to be a woman who I've never met, but somehow (laughs) she has found me and my phone number. And she's going to like, be like, hi, we've never met, but I'm the most amazing woman ever in the entire world. And we agree on every topic in the whole world. And we're going to become best friends and our kids are going to marry each other. And we're going to do every summer vacation together. Um, But would you like to be my best friend? And I would be like, Oh uh, yeah, sounds great. I would love, I would love that <laughs> with like zero effort or that we'd have some kind of like Hollywood, like meet cute. We'd like bump into each other in a hallway or something and yeah. like sparks would happen like some, you know, friendship romance. And the reality is that's not how it works. And it also can feel like when you don't, when you don't have that kind of friend, it feels like when you look around, like Everyone everybody does. else has it mm-hmm. and you don't. And like it's like, you know, no vacancy, right? Like there's no yeah. room in this circle anymore. And you're just on the outside looking in and everybody has friends and I don't. And if I, if I try to do something, it's going to feel like I'm trying, like we're back in junior high and I'm trying yeah. to get in some popular click or something. And it just mm-hmm. feels icky and, and it presses on all of our insecurities and yeah. it's so hard. And what I realized, cause I lived in that space for a full six plus months, I was miserable yeah. I took it out on everyone who crossed my path, like mm-hmm. my husband, the kids, the cat, like whoever happened to be my. <laughs> and finally, like I reached a breaking point um, where I felt like I was having a mental breakdown. And I realized yeah. I was just extremely lonely. Yeah. And so I came up with a plan that I was going to, like you said, I was going to go first. And mm-hmm. I started inviting people over for coffee every Wednesday morning. And what I realized it was like blind dates and some were big wins and some were not, (laughs) but it got, you know, it took literally saying, this is the time on my calendar where this is what I'm going to do nine to noon every Wednesday for the next 12 weeks. I'm going to identify 12 women. I'm going to ask her if she will come over. If she can't go this Wednesday, I'll ask her for the next Wednesday. If she says no on that one, I'll ask her for the next one. Like I've got to be unafraid and bold in a way that I just have not had to have been in other times in my life. And I was super nervous the first, uh, I don't know, probably all of the times that I did it. But what I realized in it was these, every single woman who I asked said yes. And I did not expect that my own. And again, that voice in my head was like, 
they've already got friends. They're right. going to be like, I'm busy. Yeah. They're not, you know, they're going to be like, why, who are you? Like, you know, why are you inviting me over to your house? Why can't we just meet at Starbucks? <laughs> or something? I know. You know, but every single woman was thrilled to be asked thrilled. Everyone's waiting. Everyone's, everyone's waiting, waiting for, for everyone else. Yes. Yep. Everyone's waiting for everyone else. And it doesn't matter how pretty they are, how put together they look, how busy, like I put that in air quotes because yeah. everybody looks busy. Like it doesn't matter. Everyone's yeah. waiting for everyone else. And, um, and so when you go first and, and not just in that initial like text mm-hmm. message or phone call, but like when they come in your house and you sit down and you're the first one to be like, I'm so glad you came over. I've been really lonely. Oh and just gosh. like open it up. Like yeah. it shatters all the ice, you know? I mean, yeah. and people are like, oh my gosh, I'm lonely too. And it's it's incredible and also kind of sad, right? That we're all like waiting and waiting and waiting. And some people will wait forever. Yes. And um, and once you like kind of again, it's like a you got practice makes perfect and you kind of mm-hmm. get more confident. And then that friend invites, you know, introduces you to someone else. And all of a mm-hmm. sudden you, you do start to form these, these friends. And then you have to yeah. keep going first about sharing your life, sharing your vulnerabilities, remembering your milestones, fears. celebrating yeah, suffering, all, you that's know, right. yeah. prioritizing that time that it doesn't, it's not effortless. Friendship is not effortless. This is not mm-hmm. kindergarten. It's not like a college roommate where you're going to be living together and you are like kind of thrown together 24 seven, like adult female friendship takes way more time, intentionality, Mm -hmm. sacrifice of money, effort, all the things like way more than you think it will, but that's the reality of, of friendship. Like the best friendships are, they'll tell you, I sacrifice the time. I pick up the phone. I write that card. I show up with balloons. I, whatever it is, um, that's, it takes time and intentionality. It takes both to make that kind of friendship. And I was talking to an entrepreneur recently and she was like, listen, I'm just like in the thick of starting this business and I have no time for friends maybe later, but she was kind of on the flip side of that conversation was really suffering like emotionally, physically. And I was like, listen, so my background is social work. And so I studied Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'm not sure if you've, it's kind of like the six things that you need for just kind of like overall well-being Yeah, and belonging and community is one of like the basic ones you need it. You can't jump to success. That's you need right. The belonging first. So it was funny. I encouraged her. I was like, just pick one day a month where every month you treat that like the most important business meeting and you have to do something social or in community that day instead of doing something work focused. And I love what you said too, every Wednesday morning, nine to 12 or whatever it was so practical. And you have to make it a priority. You have to, I mean, I love exactly like you have to make it the most important three hours or one hour, whatever it is of your day. Like it's going to require sacrifice and it is a very hollow victory when you have success and you are alone and you have no one to share it with. And it is devastating when a crisis in your life hits and you have no one to call. And so you can't wait until I think in some people's minds, think like, well, when I'm successful, people will want to be my friends and they'll come to me, but actually it doesn't, it it doesn't work that way. You will be equally alone on either end of the spectrum. And so wherever you are today, do not waste another moment Mm -hmm. for someone to come to you because 
she's waiting for you. She's waiting for you. Yeah. And, um, and you know what, if, it, if you have that, like I did with some of those blind dates and you're like, I mean, this is nice. We will always be good acquaintances, but there isn't the right. spark, you know, but like she can introduce you to someone else. And that person that could yeah. be like your, your best friend for, forever. You really don't know, yeah. but it's going to take, it's going to take some effort. And it's going to take prioritizing the time. And if you literally don't put it on your calendar, it will never happen. I I mean, it's like saying, you know, I want to like be an amazing athlete, but I can never exercise. You're like, well, that dream's going to linger out there forever. (laughs) Like, you know, we know that like, oh, I want to be rich, but I don't want to, you know, it's like, it's like with anything, you have to prioritize it. It's going to require a sacrifice of something. Mm -hmm. And um, so if you're serious, if you're lonely, Mm-hmm. which most women are like, know. it's, it's not rocket science. It's, it's picking up the phone. Yeah. It's cross. It's literally crossing the street and knocking on your neighbor's door and being like, I know we've been neighbors for three years, but would you like to come over for coffee? Like, yeah, it's as simple as a cup of coffee. And I think you and I would be the first to say, that's not weird. You know, I think no. so many times people are like, that's weird. That's weird. Like you said, but, um, and I loved the point that you made too. I could talk about this one point, like for the next hour, but, um, sometimes I've had, yeah, like you said, I've initiated people and we end up not being friends, but even if it's a group, I invite five people over, they end up being friends, but not with me. I'm like, actually that's fine. Like, I think that's, yeah, that's the beauty of going first. Sometimes it's so you could benefit with rich relationships. Sometimes it's just to, you know, bring people community together. So that's right. Someone that's has right. to I do mean- it. That's right. I mean, it's kind of like getting out of this mindset that is so dangerous where it's like less, like more for you is somehow less for me. And it's like, if they're friends, then they won't also be friends with me. And it's like, listen, the friendship pie is not a fixed size, right? Mm -hmm. Like they can have a friendship and we can also have a friendship. Like I shouldn't, we shouldn't try to hoard our friends either. Like, well, no, you're mine. I'm not going to let you meet any new people because it might take away from our friendship. And it's like, that's not how it works. Like the more people we have, the bigger we make the circle, actually, we all benefit. And, you know, like, so let's like, let's open the doors wide. Like let's, yeah, let's not create, we don't want a click. Like that's not good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I need to move on. That's so good. The more friends we have, the bigger the circle gets. Yeah. That's what you said, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Really, I could talk about this forever, but I mean, it's, so, it's so thing. simple, right? But it's like, yeah. you know, and again, it's, I think part of it comes from this fear of being alone again. Like when you find Whoa. someone, you're like, oh my gosh, this feels so good. And then you're afraid of losing it. And so we hoard it because we're <sighs> afraid. And you don't, and, and so like, again, we like work against ourselves. And we realize that if we just like, held it a little looser. Actually, our friendship would be deeper. The circle would be wider. We'd have (laughs) more people. And, um, and that's what we should be doing. You know, we should not be fearful that our friends are constantly going to leave us if they meet someone else. Oh my gosh. Well, talking about these (laughs) rich relationships, (laughs) I'm just moving on from my seat because I'll stay there all day. (laughs) No, this is good. This is a continuation on that. So Um, one of the relationships that you talked about that really was just such an incredible encouragement to me. Um, I've heard stories like this before, but just not, not recently, unfortunately. So anyways, you had talked about one of your neighbors who was also white, a military wife or was it an astronaut wife, a military wife, military wife. Okay. Um, she had just had a newborn while her husband was deployed. Yes. Right. And 
you guys had been friends before then or just acquaintances? Yeah, we'd been friends because we were neighbors. We were literally like two houses away from each other. Okay. And so we did a lot of stuff together. Like we, um, we were good friends. And I think it was only because we were good friends that I knew something was off. I think people who saw her at the mom's group that we were a part of, if they saw her at the store, if they saw her somewhere else, you know, she was wearing clothes, you know, like she was wearing actual (laughs) pants. She, you know, her children weren't like disheveled or Mm -hmm. she didn't look, um, I mean, she looked tired, but no more than you would expect from a mom Mm -hmm. of a newborn, you know? Um, But because I was doing life with her, uh, because I was friends and we were just like three houses away from it, just doing three houses away, I knew something was off. Mm -hmm. And it was just like this little feeling you get, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're doing life with someone and they say something, we've all been in that moment where somebody says something and you're like, hmm, that's, that's weird. And like, you think about it for a couple of days, you're like, that's so weird that they use that word. Or like, mm-hmm. that doesn't sound like her normal attitude about this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, yeah, that's when, of course, again, that voice in our head that is not always accurate is like, well, that's none of your business, you know, or if she really was suffering, or whatever, um, she would just tell you because you're friends. Right. And so, you know, don't be nosy. If she wanted you to know, she'd tell you, um, she's an adult. If you offer help, she'll be insulted. And that's like, especially among military wives, like we take a lot of pride being very independent. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's like, Oh, I don't want to like insult her or, or make her feel like she's weak or like less than somehow if I offer to help. Mm -hmm. So I'll just like make myself available and kind of hover. Right. Right. And if she needs me, she'll reach out. And, um, And that I have been in that situation a lot of times. And looking back, I realized like I was hovering out of my own fear of taking a step forward. And in this case, thank God, I, I really was like, I just felt this, like, really, I don't know, like this holy discontent in me that was like, something is not right. I just, I don't know why I just know it's not right. And so mm-hmm. it bothered me for like two weeks. I mean, I, I I'm embarrassed. It took that long, but no, I get it, it. that's how yeah. long it takes to wrestle with yourself. And mm-hmm. also like the cultural norms of like, I don't want to insult her. I don't know. And yeah. I mean, this, this woman, this good friend of mine, she was a Marine, a former Marine for goodness sakes, you know? So you're like, oh my gosh, like this is like the strongest, <laughs> badass woman I know, you know, like I'm totally <laughs> not insulted. And finally, I couldn't take it anymore because I just kept feeling this something was wrong. And long story short, something was very wrong. Like her, the, the wheels, I want to say the wheels were coming off. They were off, you know, like she was drowning um, with, she had a, you know, a teenager who like was not helping the way that she had hoped. It was crazing all kinds of stress the way teenagers do, even in the best of yeah. times. She had three other younger kids and then this newborn. And it was like all the rules of like that you kind of need to have in place just to keep life going. When you have a newborn, there was just no rules. It was absolute chaos, kids everywhere, stuff everywhere. Just, I mean, and life was, was just um, unbearable. And she, Mm -hmm. she was exhausted, not just physically, but Mm -hmm. mentally, spiritually, Mm-hmm. in every single way. And so by the time I knocked on the door and I sat down and I said, I know, I'll never forget it because I was so nervous. And it, it, looking back, you're like, 
I was the nervous one, you know, like, you know, like, like as if I'm the, uh, somehow the one who yeah. needed help. Right. I was so nervous to look her in the eye and say, I love you. And I want to help you, but you have to tell me what's going on. I feel like something's wrong. Will you please tell me what's going on? And she looked at me for kind of a, another couple seconds longer than normal. I think, cause she was assessing, like, are you sincere in wow. really wanting to know what's going on in my life? And, and then she just started bawling. And the truth came out that life was just incredibly hard and she needed help. And, um, you know, I think we're also very quick as humans to give the kind of help that's either like fast and easy and not really get into like the real kind of help that, or we give the kind of help that we think we would want instead of what they really need. And so, um, this other friend and I were kind of, we were a triad of of, of friends that time, you know, I was like, do we want to help you? And we want to help you more than just like bringing dinner or like praying for you or whatever, which are Mm -hmm. all like, like, you know, thoughts and prayers, like, you know, um, yeah, that's quick. Like, do you need us to come in here and be the bad guys and like come in here and like write this ship? And, um, (laughs) between the two of us, the other two, between the other friend and I together, we had 10 kids, right? So um, I was like, we certainly know about being the bad guy. And uh, she, she looked again for like a second longer than normal. And she goes, yes, I, yeah. I, I need that. And so we came in and we were like, all right. And we had like a big come to Jesus meeting with all the kids. Yeah. And we were like, circus is over losers. You know, like, <laughs> we're like, we are, we're coming in here. And we literally like, uh, made everyone clean the house and made everyone fix, like put their beds back where they were supposed to be. And we set bedtimes and we were over there every single night, making sure that teeth were brushed and they were sleeping in their own beds and they weren't getting out of those beds. Yeah. And we made her go in her room and lock the door. At, we were like, what time do you want to go to bed? It should not be later than 10 o'clock. You're going to go in this room and you're going to lock the door. And if any child, because we're our front doors were literally like all of 50 feet from her front door. And we were like, if any child knocks on your bedroom door, <laughs> unless you either like actively smell smoke or feel the heat of flames, <laughs> do not open that door. You lo- yeah. like, we had keys to her front door. We're like, we will come over and we will literally drag that child away from your front door. If that's what it takes, because we love you. And, um, and looking back, you know, yeah, it was a big deal that we were willing to come in and like do the hard work, but I, to me, all the props goes to this friend of mine who was willing to show her mess and like, be like, I got, I got no more pretenses left. Yeah. My life is, I need help. I need help. And I'm, and the only way to get true help is to be honest about what's really going on over here. And yeah. so she showed us all the dirty laundry, like literally and figuratively, and then let us, you know, like take care of it and see it all. And, um, that could not have been easy on her part for her pride, but yeah. I think she knew I, I have no other option. And it changed the way I look at being vulnerable that like, <laughs> you know, she was never braver than she was in that moment at her most vulnerable. And I'm not hearing you say like, there's when I'm hearing you talk about the way you guys approached it, there was no judgment. There was no criticizing her. And so it's almost allows you like when you have to ask for help to stop, like my husband Colby would remind me this. Did you judge her when you helped her? And I'd be like, no, of course not. He's like, well, then why do you think people are judging you when you ask for help? You know, because I'm very slow to ask for help. And I'm like, they'll think less, you know, whatever lies we believe. And he's like, well, you don't do that to people. So why do you think they, they do that to you? So 
Wow. Yeah. Oh I mean, yeah. I mean, so, and so we, I mean, we did it for months and the goal was this, we will help you bridge the gap until you are able to do this again on your own. And, you know, with a newborn, that was about three, you know, three months or yeah. so before, like she could get enough sleep, get back in some healthy rhythms. You know, we had to establish some rules, you know, there's only one thing made for dinner and take it or leave it. This is not a like 24 yeah. hour diner over here, you know, like, um, and, uh, just get some structure back in place so that she could be, uh, just have the margin to like heal and yeah. sleep and rest and, and become the person that she was, but she was just in a tough season. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we, but we convince ourselves that somehow like in asking for help, gosh, you know, these friends are either going to look down on me mm-hmm. or, or like people are going to think that I'm manipulating them somehow. Like I'm using my friends. Like I mean, it's crazy talk because I know. We, we would never, like you said, we'd never think that about someone else. Right. But that's, that's where our brain goes when there isn't somebody else there to be like, Hey, like, just remember, uh, we helped somebody last week and it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like nobody, nobody thought, thought less of you, but that's also yeah. like, it, again, it's not a one and done, like, Oh, well, I will choose always to be vulnerable and always ask for help. Like it is a constant struggle to keep yourself open at that yeah. level of vulnerability and keep reaching out not just to ask for help, but to, to grab the hand that is already extended to you for help. Yeah. Um, it doesn't get any easier mm-hmm. because your pride is still always trying to pull you back. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like every time you do it, at least that hesitation period gets a little bit shorter, like right. a, little, a hair shorter, maybe <laughs> muscle um, kind of like yeah. you were saying, overcoming fear. It's like a muscle yeah. that strengthens. Yeah. And then eventually you're just like, Okay. I need to ask for help. Like on cue, you know? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, um, so like we were saying, so often people are tempted to assume that their friends like have it all figured out and that they should keep a distance. What would you say, um, are good ways to maybe approach someone in our community that might need this level of help? Like, so you, you literally were across the street, kind of knocked on the door, had the conversation. What would you say? Cause I mean, obviously, right. There are some ways that maybe might not be best to approach it. <laughs> right. Right. But what would you say? Just a few little like practical things, I guess. Well, I think it's nice. Um, you know, most people when they need help, it's, it's the asking for the help that feels very awkward, especially mm. if I feel like for women in, in help in the things that in our brains were like, well, that's my responsibility. Or like, I, I made this bed. Now I got to lie in it. Right. Cause it's like, it's the little things that like, it's, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. It's like the, Oh, I don't want to take the trash out again. It's just like the trash is just like, I just can't empty this dishwasher today, you know? Like, mm-hmm. and so sometimes I feel like as a friend, you know, acquaintances can bring over the, the, the dinner and that's great. You know, mm-hmm. acquaintances can mow the lawn. Wonderful. But it takes a good friend, like a true baloney's on sale friend to be yeah. like, can I just come over and like sit with you on the couch and look, I'll fold your laundry while we talk. Like I have no agenda. I just want to spend time with you. And I think it takes kind of some of these more quiet moments to get a sense of what's really going on because anybody can kind of fake it for a little short period of time when you're past each other on the street or at a school pickup or at work or whatever. But like when you go into someone's home, when you're like, can I come over? I just like, I have no agenda. I just want to see you. And I just want to have a conversation. Like that's when you get a sense of what's really going on in someone's life and offering to do the thing that they could never ask somebody to do. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like I had someone offer to, to like, so my kid was in driver's ed, right? It's like a ridiculous yeah. number of hours you have to drive them around. And I was like, I do not have hours to drive aimlessly around town. And this friend called up and was like, can I take your kid out for a couple hours of driving? And wow. I was like, oh, heck yeah, you can, you know, like, <laughs> um, I mean, the thing you, you know, I, one time I offered um, to clean a friend's bathroom. Because honestly, I'd been to her house. It was chaotic. It needed cleaning. (laughs) It needed cleaning. And I was like, she's never going to get to this right now. And that's okay. But I also know from my own life how awesome it is to have a clean bathroom. And I was like, this is not a big deal, but no one is ever going to be like, oh yeah, can you come like, call me if you need anything. Well, actually, I'd like you to come over and scrub my toilets for me. You know, like no one's ever going to say that. But I was like, hey, I'm going to come over. I'm going to bring a big bucket and my giant gloves. And I'm just, I just want you to literally like close your door and I'll be done in two hours. But I want like, this is an easy way that I can step into the reality of your life, a real reality, not the Instagram reality, the real reality of your life. And, um, and even if it is things like dropping off meals or whatever, like just dropping it off and being like, I'm not here to have a whole conversation with you. I'm not here to like meet my social needs by dropping this off or whatever. Like, um, so I'm going to drop it off and I'm going to be like, see you tomorrow. Bye. <laughs> you know, and like, so me, good, like whatever, I, I think the bottom yeah. line is what they need, not what mm-hmm. I need, not, um, what I think will look good or tell people about, you know, yeah. or, um, but genuinely taking the time as a friend to be like, let me just pause for one second and like assess the reality. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where are the needs that she has? where can I step into this in a way that the average person couldn't because they just don't have that level of friendship. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to, and, and I'm not going to ask, is this okay? <laughs> I'm just going to be like, oh, good. I'm yeah. like, I'm coming over to clean your bathroom. What's a good day, Tuesday or Wednesday. So good. And then like, you have to choose one or the other because I'm mm-hmm. coming <laughs> or I'm just going to show up. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think you have to just get over your own hesitation and, um, and be like, kind of assert yourself as a friend, knowing how hard it is to, yeah, on the, yeah. on their side to, you know, to yeah. ask for help. So much permission in all of this. Like, yes, I don't know. I think something I've really, like my eyes have been open to, there's such a value on relationship when we're younger, you know, like elementary school through college. Right. Then all of a sudden a switch flips to a value on like independence and success. Mm. And as a culture, that's just like what everything breathes. And so I love changing, like doing what I can to change the narrative, because I think that independence and success kind of drive is what creates that loneliness and whatever we could do to kind of flip it back. Like that's what's going to create that connection. It's good. That's right. Again, it's like, there's no, it is an empty win when you bubble to the top and you are alone and you have no one to celebrate with. It is lonely, you know, Mm -hmm. and you want to cross the finish line together. And, uh, and like, that's, I feel like I'm learning that more and more every year. Cause it is something you continually have to remind yeah. yourself of and continually find new ways to do it in every new season. Like, mm-hmm. how do I bring, instead of like, oh, I got to run this race and like get to the finish line and get my big trophy. Now the goal is like, how do I bring as many people with me? Like, love it. you know, like, and, and, and like, either it's like, And not just like cheering me on from the sideline, but like, how do I get you involved? How do I invite you in? How do I make you a participant in what I'm doing in a way that also like is fun for you or interesting for you? And and it's like so much better than than doing it alone. Cause like you, you cross that finish line once alone and you learn the hard lesson that there's no trophy. 
for finishing alone. Like the trophy's not extra big or extra right. shiny. Like, congratulations, you're a lone wolf. Like actually <laughs> there's no trophy at all. You're just like, you finish and you're just like to like, look around like, hello, hello. <laughs> you know? well, like bring as many people along with you. And it's so countercultural. You're absolutely right. Like the culture is like, you do this on your own. Um, yeah. like it, you know, there's a suspicion sometimes of like, if I bring this person along, are they going to try to like steal my spotlight or oh, yeah, yeah. like else? And it's like, it's, it's really interesting how suspicious you, you can learn a lot from people when you, about yeah. people, when you try to like bring them along. Um, but once they see like, no, really, like I just, you're my friend and I want to experience this with you. Cause it, it enhances the experience for me, but it's also super fun just to have you here. Cause I love you. And you're my friend. Yeah. Like you see the moment it clicks in their head, like, oh, you genuinely don't have an ulterior motive. You genuinely just want to enjoy this with me. And it's so much better. And then, and once you do that, once you have a big win with a bunch of people, you never want to have a big win alone again. Yeah. So much learning and growing. Okay. Okay. Well, (laughs) um, to end, like I've joked about a lot, I could have had this be like a whole weekend long, just, you know, dive in, but I want to talk about the deployment card and how you, um, how you talked about that. So you're so funny in the way that you were talking about it, how, when Drew was deployed, you use the deployment card to get out Uh of things that what? Oh, anything you don't want to do. Right. Like, so, I mean, it's really funny because it's a bit, you can, if you don't, if you're not a military person, anytime you run into a military spouse, uh, you can mention the deployment card and they'll immediately like give you this little side eye because everybody knows what it is. And yeah. And it's this get out of jail free card that obviously isn't a real card, but it's when someone asks you to do something that you don't want to do, whether that's like a school field trip or a, a work project or visiting your in-laws, like whatever it is, like it could literally be anything in your life that you do or don't want to do. You can drop this metaphorical deployment card out there and you're like, oh man, I would love to do that. But, um, you know, my husband's deployed right now and immediately everyone backs off. (laughs) Everyone thanks you for your service and like is so apologetic about asking you to do this thing that you want to do. Um, and I realized, so like, you know, it's kind of great because we often joke about it. Like, oh, well, just to drop the deployment card, everybody like, you know, this leaves you alone. But um, I realized that it really was less about people not asking me to do things and more about giving myself permission to say no mm-hmm. to things that I didn't want to do. Because it wasn't yeah. like these were things that I wanted to do when Drew was home. And now I didn't want to do them when he was deployed universally, I never wanted to do these things, but I, for whatever reason, would not give myself permission to say no. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, and, and, you know, people do this, especially women do this. We overschedule ourselves. We, you know, we get asked um, to serve on committees or take on a project or, mm-hmm. you know, or like take on another kid's sport. Or, I mean, all this, we just fill our schedule with stuff that is like, not, it's, it's not neutral even it's draining. It's draining yeah. to us. And, um, and then we wonder why at the end of the day, we're exhausted, Fun. we're bitter and resentful. And, and we look around at our lives and we go like, this is, what is this life? I hate this life. Like I feel, I feel reactionary and angry and I haven't done, 
I don't even know who I am anymore because I'm not doing anything that feels like it's all about me. I feel like I'm just pouring into other things that have nothing to do. So I realized, you know, in a deployment card, what season when you could remove all this stuff, um, actually I could have been doing this all the time (laughs) if I had just given myself permission to be honest that I know I'm like, thank you for thinking of me about this committee, but no, <laughs> like, like, and I didn't have to add like eight sentences explaining my schedule and the other things I have and well, my temperament yeah. and blah, blah, like just ending, like put in a period right after the no, like, yeah. thank you so much for thinking of me, but that's not going to work for me right now. Boop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, um, amazing, amazing. And, uh, it, it's again, so I simple, love it. but why, why we don't do this? I don't know. Um, yeah. Because the truth is that like, I was saying yes to things and taking spots on, you know, things that like, I I didn't want to be there, not doing a good job. My heart's not in it. I'm resentful that I'm sitting in this seat when reality is there's a woman over here who like wasn't asked because I was already taking her seat. And like, she's going to do an amazing job on that committee or as the room mom or the whatever it is. So good. And like, like, yeah, like let her do it. That's awesome. Like, I need to get out of the way so that the people who can do it can do it. In the meantime, by taking the moment to like really only say yes to things that meet my skill set, that I have time for, that I genuinely have passion about, like, yeah, I will be not only a better teammate, coworker, I'm going to be a better mom. I'm going to be a better spouse. I'm going to be a better friend yeah. because I'm not drained and tired and resentful about my life. I'm like, more myself than I ever have been because I'm yeah. doing things that really fill me and and utilize my skill set and and make me more of who I want to be, you know? So good. So good. Not that everyone everything circles back around to friendship, but I think like every everyone says I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. That's right. And as I was reading the deployment card, I'm like, we all need to get in better habits of creating more margin by saying no. And I love just seeing that full circle. When you say yes to the things that fuel you, you're filled with more joy. You have more margin. Like it just, that's right. All goes around. That's right. Cause it goes the opposite way too. You know, when you, when you're draining yourself, you are not your best self. Like you, you know, we are a whole person. So if you've got like super stress at work or at home or in your spiritual life or your physical, like your physical body, like you're kidding yourself. If you think that that doesn't affect all the aspects of who you are. And so, uh, you can't be just like pouring yourself into stuff that you don't care about, that you are now angry and bitter and resentful and exhausted about, and not think that it isn't going to affect your ability to be a good friend, a good spouse, a good mom, a good daughter, a good coworker. Like Mm -hmm. it affects all of it. And so it goes both ways. So you get to choose, you know, and give yourself permission to be like, I, I recognize that that is an incredible opportunity. Yeah. It's just not right for me. You yeah. Know? Um, I would love to introduce you to my friend, you know, Susan over here so who good. is awesome at that stuff and loves this kind of thing. Like, and it's okay. And I actually mm-hmm. found, I think a lot of it again is rooted in that fear. If I say no, are people going to be like, Oh, she, you know, you imagine all these conversations that are being had about you behind closed right. doors. Totally. And reality is, no one's talking about you. They're like, oh, she said no, moving on. Like they life yeah. goes on for them. Like amazing. Their their life does not revolve around me. Shocking. And uh, <laughs> but you know, that's where again, that if you don't have someone who's like, hey, heads up, nobody cares as much about you as you do. 
Oh <laughs> right. Gosh. Like that's actually a, that's not rude. It's actually true. It's freedom. Yeah. Not everybody's thinking about you. Um, so, so it's okay to say no. And they're not actually talking about you in a negative way. If anything, they probably now respect you more because oh, yeah. you drew a healthy boundary. You know who you are and it, and, and, and you're not that. And that's a, like, that's great. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then they see you do something else that actually is awesome. And they're like, yeah, that's, that's her thing. And that's okay. Like, man. Um, yeah. So it actually like so often those, those it's a yeah. surprise that we tell ourselves and we, it's, it's kind of totally ridiculous. And, um, but oh, it's the truth. It's so relatable. Know? I think so many nine out of 10 of us listening probably have those thoughts. That's good. No yeah. one thinks about you. Would you say as much as you do, as much as you think about yourself? Yeah, yeah exactly. No <laughs> one's thinking about you. I mean, it's, um, really I good. remember, yeah, it's, it's a shocking. It's funny. Cause people are like, no one's thinking about me. Yeah. That's actually awesome. Right. No one is thinking <laughs> oh, about yeah. you. Like yeah. they are thinking about themselves. They are thinking about their family, their stuff. Like they asked yeah. you and they moved on. Yeah. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. All of our guests, the same three questions. I do really want to hear yours. And we will start with uh, my favorite. What is something you've eaten recently and loved? Okay. So just a couple of days ago, I had this Philly cheesesteak from a food truck that did nothing but cheesesteaks up in Fort Worth. That was so good. And I haven't eaten a cheesesteak in forever. And it's like one of those moments where you're like, you're eating something and it's been a long time. And you're like, oh my gosh. Like, it's a good thing that this food truck doesn't come down my street every day or, um, or I've eaten about four Philly cheesesteaks a day. Like so good. Also like a little bit of a memory trigger, just like all the things, you know, shouldn't be eating it too often, but, uh, every once in a while, pretty darn amazing. <laughs> oh, like the thin shaved, like, yes, goodness. And it had like oh. mushrooms and also meat and also this oh. just right. Oh, it was like, I was like, Oh my goodness. This is <laughs> yeah, so good. So good. Um, we always try to make them at home. I'm like, I just have to stop doing this. Exactly. Because, it, it can't yeah. translate. I have also tried. And after like a couple of bites, you're like, why no. did I do I'll this? Wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. This one I'm curious about, um, a gathering you attended that made you feel a strong sense of belonging. If you could pinpoint it, what made you feel that way? Yeah. So just recently I was at a women's event and I, part of it was, you know, we're just kind of now starting to get back into these big events. And, um, so to be in a room of about 300 women, it was, uh, it was a church event and everybody was so genuinely excited to be there <laughs> because it had been so long since we'd like been in a room, see each other's full faces yeah. and, you know, singing together. And it just felt like, um, an incredible sense of gratitude. And the, I was sitting near the organizer and of course she was kind of like fretting about like, is everything staying on schedule? And is everybody, Oh no, they got out of order. And I was like, no one cares. Everyone's just super stoked yeah. to be here together. And, um, I hope that's like a, a feeling that we can carry on into the future. Even after all this stuff is, you know, lo- uh, old history, this sense of like, just being gr- like having gratitude when we can get together in a big space with a lot of mm. people and a lot of women who just want to be together, hug on each other, mm. sing together, listen to a speaker that is just like speaking into us and pouring into us and like talking again, authentically, vulnerably with each other about like our struggles and just feeling like, man, 
um, this sisterhood of women is, it can be, you know, gets a lot of bad rap about drama and like when it's good, it's so good. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I think we're, you know, we, we forget how good it can be when you've had a lot of, if you've had a bad experience, but um, and I feel like a lot of us in the pandemic, we gained a lot of what I would call inertia in our own houses. Like we, we want to get out and get back in the world, but we also like, don't want to put on pants <laughs> because it's <laughs> felt really good to like lay on the couch. And, and so we want, we want it both ways, but we can't really have it. And so it just takes like a little bit of extra effort than it did in the past to like, okay, I'm going to get up. I'm going to put my whole face of makeup on. I'm going to uh-huh. do my hair. Like, oh my gosh, I, like, are these, are these the same pants I wore last year? <laughs> like they are, did someone shrink these pants? Like, you know, um, but, and so it just feels like it's a lot more effort to get out the door, like put together than it used to. Cause we've gotten so used to being at home and, but we have to like convince ourselves it, while we're putting out that effort, like it will be worth it. It will be worth it. Cause once yeah. you get there, you're like, oh my gosh, yes. Like I forgot how good this is. And, um, and so for anybody who's still like sitting at home, like, oh, I'm having a hard time overcoming this, like yeah. just this inertia of being at home, like do it, like drink another cup yeah. of coffee, um, you know, put on some, Seriously. like, some, uh, like, I don't know, high tempo music yeah. to get going. <laughs> And like, just do it, you know, just pull your hair in a ponytail. Honestly, people don't care what you're wearing anymore. Like there's no such thing as business casual anymore. Just put on your joggers and head out the door and like, and just go be with people again. Like you will, you will remember in about two seconds, how amazing it is and, um, and how much you need it. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well with that, maybe these crossover, something that you found to be beautiful lately could be anything. I had this great conversation the other day um, where I didn't even realize it was going to be kind of a meaningful moment in the, in the moment, but I turned, I was talking to um, a friend and I said, uh, she was just kind of going through some stuff. And I said, I want you to know that I will always be your biggest cheerleader. And because there's been a couple of times in the past year where I have felt like I didn't have a a cheerleader in the way that I wanted. And I felt isolated. Part of that was part of myself, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and just my own perceptions. But I said, I don't want you to feel that way in this moment. And I want you to know that sometimes when things are hard, silence does not feel neutral, right? So like silence Mm. from your friends does not feel neutral. And so I know that because I have felt that recently. And so I want you to know that I will never be silent in my support of you. I don't ever want to assume that. um, And she, she cheered up and she said, that was so like, she said, you don't know how meaningful that was to hear Mm -hmm. that from you. And I said, well, I'm just telling you what, what I wish someone had told me a few weeks ago, you know, a few months ago. And we just really had this beautiful moment together of like, Mm -hmm. we're going to like, you know, that, I don't know. It's like this thing. It's like your soul kind of like touches the other person's soul. And you're like, we're going to do this together. Like, um, I'm going to support you. I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader. I don't care. I don't care. There's no ifs, ands, or buffs about it. I'm going to publicly be your number one fan about this. Man, I don't like nasty. And again, period at the end of the sentence, I'm not, there's no fine print. There's no little, like follow the asterisk down to the bottom. Oh, oh, except in the case of this, this, and this, and this, like, no, you're my friend. I love you. And I don't ever want you to wonder how I feel about you. I'm going to, and, and I am not going to be silent. And, um, she was, it was, it was a really, like I said it to make her feel better, but I felt yeah. that, I, but it was as much meaningful for me too. And so, yeah, yeah, it's as beautiful to receive 
that type of meaningful friendship as it is to give it. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like you said, when it kind of aligns like that, that's, ah, that is beautiful. Yeah. It was that like, and we were like, in this bu- yeah, it was like, we were in this busy space and there's other people around, but it was like, kind of like in a movie yeah. where it was like everything around us got a little hazy Aww. and we were like, you know, and it was like, oh, <laughs> oh my know? gosh. Like, yeah. You know, like you feel like you could take on in that moment, you feel like I could take on the world right now. Like yeah. I could do anything right now uh, because I feel this love and support from you. And, and oh. once you feel that from someone, you want to give it to yeah. everyone else. Um, Because it's so amazing. It feels so powerful. I'm going to link the book in the show notes for whoever wants to buy it. Where else can people find you and follow your journey? Uh, You can find me on Instagram, Stacey Morgan 2000. And I I love as many friends as I can get. (laughs) Always want to widen the friendship circles, right? Yeah. And then um, I have a website, StaceyMorgan2000.com, where I got a blog and I've got links to podcast appearances like this one and different things like that. And you can contact me through there. And so, um, yeah, follow along. I'd love to have you always want to bring more friends along on the journey. So everyone is welcome. So fun. Well, go follow guys. Well, thank you so much again. So rich. Um, thank I'm you so much. To hear everyone's everyone's thoughts. Awesome. We'll see you next week, guys. You guys know the drill. We are working to grow the making room by gather community. One of the biggest ways that you can help us is, of course, sharing the show with your friends by sharing the social squares from our Instagram to your stories or preferred social media platform. But one of the biggest ways that you can come alongside us is by leaving a review. Whether you leave five stars or a written review, it lets other people know that this show is worth their time. And we think so. And we sure hope that you do, too. So head on over there, leave a five stars or a written review. If you leave one, be sure to take a screenshot and send it to us at Gather Intentional Living on Instagram. And we would love to send you a ruffle tea towel that was handcrafted for our collection by our friends in Chiang Mai, Thailand. This is only available for the first 25 of you and will not last long, but it's just a little way to let you know just how thankful we are.